We are live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Backyard Professor Live Sunday Night Firesides. I have some really, really crazy stuff to share with you tonight that is going on in the zany world of BYU, not only from the students, but from the faculty and from the board of directors, which of course we all know is the 12 apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Maybe not all 12, I believe six five, six, or maybe seven of them are board of directors. And uh, interestingly enough, these apostles with testimonies of Jesus and the Book of Mormon being the most correct book on the face of the entire planet Earth on our oblate spheroid even told Bill Hamblin, stop looking for authenticity and antiquity in the Book of Mormon. Stop it. We don't want you to do that. And he lamented bitterly about it. Uh, what, five, six years ago, something like that. But anyway, I've got kind of a crazy show to share with you tonight because so many interesting things are going on in the wacky world of Mormonism, not to mention the fact that China economically on the world scene is in for real trouble. Peter Zihan, you might want to keep an eye, on, an eye on some of his stuff. He's got some interesting analysis coming out right now. We are beginning to see some weird and interesting things happening, and I'm going to try to keep you informed, an update on the wildest, zaniest stuff within Mormonism tonight. <clears throat> Too good to lose, man. I've received some information from a little bit of everywhere. <laughs> that is too good not to pass up. So, Wendy Rowland. How are you, hon? Elisa Galeen, good to see you. JB, maybe I saw you this morning. Welcome back tonight. Can't get enough of me, huh? Yeah, loving my podcast from New York City. <clears throat> Let's hear it for the Big Apple. Woohoo! And uh, Brandon, welcome. GB, wacky world or Mormonism? Yeah, both. A little bit of both or a combined mix. Got some crazy news. Mo, see you. Good to see you. Mark Crispin, yeah, baby. I, I'm going to work on a T-shirt, I promise. I've been talking long enough. I'm going to do that. I've got that in the works, I do believe. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Luton, Newton, Lemnos, Lem, Lemos. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your names. I sincerely, please do not ever take it personally. Mark Crispin, Doug Vinson. Good to see you again, Doug. Dan Vogel. Good to see you. The roster is picking up. Let's get this going. I have some wacky, crazy stuff going on that I have been, not me personally, but I've been apprised of. This morning I went, I told this in Sunday school class that most of you skipped, sat in the back and fell asleep. I can't blame you. <laughs> I went outside early this morning up on the South Fork and videoed the sunrise, and it was beautiful. I'm going to figure out a way to, you know, my electronic gadgetry is really kind of old school, funk, weird, wild, and zany, and I'm, I'm going to do something about that eventually. Paul Osborne, brother, take a bow. The great Paul Osborne has entered the hall of shoe or fame. <laughs> you know what the hall of shoe is, don't you, Paul? Yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about little Egyptology insight there. Yeah. Huff Daddy, good to see you. 
Patty Cake, good to see you. Yes, you did. Bless you for making it, too. Well, for whatever reason, maybe one of you guys did this as a joke on me. I don't know. Maybe it's because you don't think I'm getting enough of the spirit in order to guide my humble life. And so someone sent me a subscription of LDS Living, right? And so I've been looking into them. every. They come once a month. Thank you, whoever it was. And if it was the missionaries or maybe my one of my ward members or something like that who uh, felt that I have not come to church lately enough in the last 10 years, I haven't even been at church, <laughs> they decided to get me in tune with LDS Living. Well, this particular one is kind of, I mean, it's its okay. It's got, it's got a beautiful girl on the front, uh, an Encanto miracle. So miracles are still occurring according to the Matrix, or I mean uh, Mormonism. And uh, there's a couple of items here that I just want to quickly share before I get on to the major news. Prospering in the land. Now, this little article is about a gentleman who heard years ago in a fireside from some really enthusiastic, zeal-without-knowledge Mormon who was proclaiming that if you live righteously, if you follow the covenant path, if you obey the holy prophet of the Lord God of Israel coming out of Salt Lake City, then you too shall become filthy rich. There's no reason for none of us not to make six digits. And this guy, of course, came unglued. You know, this gospel of prosperity, it's okay to make minimum wage, but by damn, don't you encourage these idiots to make six digits. By damn, we got to keep the riffraff down. Minimum wage only. That's why uh, Idaho and Utah and all these other idiots in the Rocky Mountains went to right-to-work states so that we could work for slave wages so the corporations could get richer. Well, this guy stands up and proclaims this, and this guy blew his gasket, and then he had the back pedal, see? <laughs> because his own his own matrix, or uh, his own religion, is over a hundred billion bucks in riches. A hundred billion bucks! Say that out loud, will you? A hundred billion bucks! You pile up dollar bills like that, that'd go from here to Mars and back 220 times. That's a boatload of money. That's el mucho richo. The camel, the the eye of the needle for that great big camel, or it's a hog masquerading as a camel in Salt Lake City, that eye of the needle is going to have to be the size of the flipping galaxy for the Mormon church to get through if they want to get to heaven, right? So he says, no, 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 now, wait a minute. Don't equate the blessings that our beloved prophet has promised us. Don't equate that with filthy lucre. Don't think that just because you're a good guy and a nice guy that it's going to turn into cold, hard cash. See, I'm rich. I'm rich. Notice all those $100 bills. Well, maybe not hundreds, but what the heck, you know. I'm on the rich side of dirt poor, so that's this month's paycheck, and I've hit the big time, right? 
So don't think it equates to actual money because the blessings we're supposed to be getting, according to LDS Living Magazine, brand new edition this month, the blessings we're going to be getting are spiritual blessings in heaven. Spiritual blessings, not this filthy, filthy physical lucre. Although that would be nice. I mean, sure, the Lord's going to allow you a little bit. Don't worry about that. But just think of the next life and think of your spiritual blessings. That's what the gospel of prosperity is about. And so he slammed down the idea that it's not all about money, even while his own corporation only gives point one 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 eight something like that, of their total wealth to charity annually. Uh, he doesn't want us to associate it with that money. So that's one thing I wanted to point out. And now another, now this next one was actually kind of interesting. This was sort of fun. Keith A. Erickson apparently is a new author, or he's an old author with a new book, or he's a young author with a new book. He's a good-looking guy. There he is right there. Look at that great big picture. Man, I'm going to have to think up something cool to say so that LDS Living will put my picture in their magazine so that people will know what I look like, right? He wrote a book on the idea of patriarchal blessings. And uh, the most interesting concept in which he shares and which I say... <laughs> There is no way I'm going to do that, dude. Your head is off in Mars left field if you think I'm going to equate patriarchal blessings with what you do. Let me share the latest news. The info straight from the horse's mouth. Speaking for the morgue, what is the best career decision you've ever made? Now, that's a good question. It is. It's a great question. When I finally learned that I'm not in charge of my career, I used to try and plan everything and worry about everything. But when I started, I just trying to do my best in what I thought the Lord wanted. I found that amazing thing happened that I couldn't have planned for. Now, that I believe. Because actually, you know, we humans, we're a funny bunch. We're, we're a funny, weird sort of set of species, almost a virus on this planet, aren't we? We love certainty. We love to be in charge. We love to be in control. No surprises for us, please. In fact, forget statistics. We want solid yes and no. Even Einstein did not like the idea that probability is involved in our reality and God does not play dice. So saith Einstein the Great, and he was dead wrong. But this guy makes an important point. When you quit trying to frickin' control everything, Mormon church, <clears throat> Mormon church, maybe you better start paying attention to this guy that you put in your own damn magazine. 
because he's showing you the road out to all the ridiculous bullshit stuff you're going through right now. And that's your own doing because like the matrix, you think the essence of control is the way to spiritual joy and happiness. And you are full of bunk. You don't got a clue. Maybe you ought to pray for revelation on how to do it better because I've got news for you guys that I'm going to be sharing tonight that shows you that Mormonism just flat out sucks. These guys are really screwing up bad and it's coming back, biting them right in the old dairy hair. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm enthusiastic today. What the heck? Why not, man? So they do ask him, why is it important that Latter-day Saints better understand their patriarchal blessings? Well, here's his answer. <laughs> right now in our society, there's a common way that people talk about religion. They'll say things like, I don't like organized religion. Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! He's psychedelic because that's damn sure what a bunch of us are saying, right? Yeah. And for very powerful reason, because organized religion sucks. Because organized religion wants to control your mind. It wants to tell you what to wear. It wants to tell you what to think. It wants to tell you how to act. It wants to tell you where you're supposed to be on every damn day of the week. It wants to dictate where you send all your money. Organized religion, you damn right we don't like it. Other than that, it's not bad. <laughs> right? So he's right. I don't like organized religion. And then he says, but I really like spirituality. Well, yeah, we're discovering that for ourselves. That's why I picked up starting doing the Sunday school lessons and other uh, surprise live sessions. And that's why I'm picking back up on my podcast on thebackyardprofessor.org because we're recognizing that organized religion does not give you spirituality, Brother Erickson. I don't care if you wrote a book on it. Organized religion does not give you spirituality, Brother Erickson. That is why we are saying that. Hey, has he got a clue? There's hope. There's hope on the horizon. Let's see what else he says. Let's keep going here. And I think a patriarchal blessing lands right in the middle of that binary and makes that idea irrelevant. <laughs> what a dumbass. No, what a dumbass argument. What an idiotic way to think about it. Patriarchal blessings, get rid of that argument, my eye. That is wishful thinking. That is the matriarchs morgifying his brain into jelly so that he can say something good for the matrix to keep us convinced that there's something to it when in point of fact, there's nothing to it. He's bunking us, man. I don't buy any of that noise. In fact, the moment I got to that point, I did just now what I did earlier today. I threw the magazine. The whole magazine's a waste of my time except that I was able to rant and rave about it here on my live uh, Backyard Professor video. So that is 
it for the LDS living. I did not read the rest of it. There's probably some really good tear-jerking, cool spiritual articles where people have overcome the odds, and thus they are heroes demonstrating that the angel Moroni was real and Mormonism is true, just like it proclaims. But I'm not about to waste any more time on that silly noise of brainwashing me to turn my thinking off when I have other news to show you that it's not me turning my thinking off. It's the Matrix itself right out of Salt Lake City and Provo, Utah. I have some news for BYU and Mormonism. <laughs> that is really crazy. Here we go. Ah. Welcome, everybody. I haven't had a chance to say hi to y'all just yet. Oh, hey, Radio Free Mormon, just got here fresh from Dateline. Good for you. Welcome to the Backyard Professor Live. All right. I was just sharing what a joyful, spirit-filled magazine LDS Living is. And now I have some interesting news. Now, this is sad. And yet it is a symptom of the times for organized religion because from my point of view, and yes, I know some are probably going to say, oh, the backyard professor is just being hyperactive. He's exaggerating and overdoing it. But he is exaggerating and overdoing it for one very gosh damn powerful reason is because the matrix slash morgue slash Mormon gospel has put its entire youth to bed. They're asleep. They're sleepwalking, and they no longer have the moral fiber in their backbone to stand up and do the right thing, even when the culprit who is causing the problem is one, and there's 40,000 of the students, they don't dare stand up to do what's right. And that's why I'm making a big deal about this, because we saw something shocking the other night, and it made news Obviously, it makes news because this kind of bullshit should not be allowed to continue going on. And it is a serious problem that the entire Mormon student body at BYU has. It's called spiritual cowardice and physical chicken shit. Let me explain the issue. I received notice just yesterday that a Duke player was barraged with racial slurs from a man on the BYU side while they were playing girls volleyball. Every time this Duke player was serving the ball, he was shouting out nigger to her. And nobody said, ah, beep, 
effing thing. He yelled it. He talked about it. He threatened her physically, telling her, you better watch your back on the way to your car. They had to call in the police to be at the bench of Duke's team. I'm not kidding. You can't make this ridiculously dumb, cowardly shit up. It happened. It's staggering. It blows your mind. He was in the BYU section. And he was allowed to be a complete ass for the entire game. And it was only after the game that anyone confronted this clown. Do you know how long a collegiate volleyball game lasts? Not just three or four minutes, folks. <laughs> this is mind-boggling. Absolutely amazing. And this is just wrong on so many levels. And yet nobody dared do it. Not even the coaches. The coaches did nothing. So I have a video clip that I want to share with you of what happened the next night. And he went way too soft on the entire student body, but at least finally someone addressed the rampant, unbelievably stupid and entirely unacceptable racism that is inbred in the Mormon youth for their whole freaking lives that they dare not even confront it when they outnumber the other butthead 40,000 to one. Oh, and then I bet I put this on the wrong phone. Oh, I recorded this on my other phone. The athletic director... Hold on, this is too good. I've got to go get this. I apologize. This is a typical backyard professor maneuver, but I've got to play this video for you because it's sad that he had to do this, but he had to do this. Hang on, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back, I'm back. Hopefully nobody went away. Woohoo! All right, here we go. Let's hear what the actual athletic director of the entire BYU athletic program had to tell his cowardly, sniveling, chicken shit students 
who have no moral fiber in them to stand up to something so obviously, blatantly, out of place, heinously wrong because it's so bloody freaking racist back from the 1950s. Here we go. Oh, come on. At last night's game, there were some egregious and hurtful slurs that were directed at members of the Duke University women's volleyball team. I'm the athletic director, and I'm accountable for what happens in all our athletic events. And with that in mind, the process to get better and to heal has already begun, as you can see, and you'll see a little bit more often. I want you to know that this morning I visited with the young athlete on Duke's team and her coach. If you would have met her, you would have loved her, but you don't know her and so you don't feel that way. As children of God, we are responsible. It's our mission to love one another and treat everybody with respect. And that didn't happen. We fell very short. We didn't live up to our best. I ask that everyone at all of our games that represent BYU, that you will have the courage to take a stand and be able to take care of each other. And more importantly, the guests our guests who we invite to come and play here so that we can be disciples of Christ and show it in every way. I love how Cougar Nation, how The Rock and all our fans are incredibly in support of our teams. Cheer them on as loud as you can, but do not cross the line where you would hurt or harm anyone in any way. Love you, Cougs. Thanks. For those, for those who- well, uh, look, I believe in giving credit where credit's due. So he at least addressed the issue mildly, right? But I think that's one of the first times I've ever seen uh, the entire athletic director have to stand up before the entire chicken shit cowardly student body and say, Pull your heads out of your self-righteous asses. You quit your damn racism. They are our guests. And unfortunately, he tries to guilt the students instead of just totally reprimand them and embarrass them like they should have been. Well, we are all Heavenly Father's children. How about in the name of common human decency, you start being a normal human instead of a jackass? That might be a good place to start. What's wrong with just being friends and having common decency and humanity to all? The problem with our matrix controlling culture is not only have we been dumbed down, we have been spiritually and humanitarily stupefied. And it's time to wake up. Oh!
It's time to get serious about getting a little bit more mature, get the willpower in the heart and the mind to do good instead of being such idiots. Can we not all agree to get so sick of the idiocy running rampant that we can begin to better at least ourselves? It does start here. There is a responsibility. I liked how that athletic director said that. He said, I bear the responsibility. He's wrong and yet right. He does bear the responsibility. So does the rest of the chicken BYU faculty and the dodos in charge of the university. They also can begin to inculcate a little bit of real humanity into their students so that they are actually valuable in their own heart and psychology so they don't embarrass the hell out of themselves by being complicit with an asshat who calls lousy, nasty, racist slurs and then physically threatens the girl and even the security at the BYU didn't grab that monkey butt and haul his ass out? What the hell is going on at BYU? Really? You mean that's allowed? for the entire game, and instead of just stopping right there and saying, hey, you, Motormouth, out, let's go. Go get 10 security guards and beat the living dog snot out of that Motormouth as you pull him out of the stadium. They let him rant, like I am, (laughs) for the whole damn game? That is the shame on the church leaders who are supposed to be in charge of the Lord's university. That's your shame. I sure hope the hell you wake up because the mother who tweeted the shame and the absolute ridiculous approach, her tweets have been retweeted hundreds of thousands of times. You didn't just blacken your own eye. You kicked yourselves right between your own legs. Are you guys ever going to grow a brain and start doing something useful for humanity besides taking 10% of the goddamn money waiting for a freaking rainy day? And to your BYU faculty? Man, you have zero credibility. The coaches, where the hell are the coaches, the assistant coaches, the rest of the team, the entire student body? So now instead of doing what was right and absolutely being the light of the world, you let the motormouth moron carry on the whole game. 
And then the athletic director had to go and apologize instead of taking a proactive stance and saying, that is not happening in my house, grabbing him by the scruff and hauling him out screaming bloody murder. You would have been heroes. Heroes to the world. But now, yeah, just a bunch of racist bums. And I am being charitable here because the world is not impressed. Hollage, you can go ahead and fling the Book of Mormon all over you want this next up and coming conference to say, you have to go either under, through, round up, over, whatever. We ain't going to give a flipping damn about your stupid racist scripture. I think you better wake the hell up and get with the program, you apostles. You need to recognize how out of step, how out of date and how out to lunch, you blithering, unrevelatory idiots have been being for the last couple of years. And this is only one incident I have to report tonight. I'm just warming up. <laughs> I'm totally serious. <laughs> I won't rant and rave like this. That gripes me. Oh, gee, can you tell? I mean, man, we are talking worldwide justified embarrassment from Russell M. Nelson, prophet, seer, revelator, <coughs> trans <coughs> translator of ancient text, just like his founding prophet Joseph Smith. We're talking from the top of your top to be lop, lop, loftical head, brother Nelson. All the way down to the newborn baby, you are an embarrassment. If that's what kind of spineless cowards your youth really are, you got major problems to deal with. And it ain't the rest of the world, it's in your own church office building. You boys, you got to quit cleaning the toilets. That's not where that shit is anymore. That's all I'm going to say about that. I've ranted and raved enough. Shame on you, Mormonism. You are officially a world embarrassment. Totally unacceptable. On every level, you failed in front of who you're trying to convince you have the truth, the whole planet. You're that clueless. You get the clueless of the year award, Mormonism. <laughs> you really do. No kidding. This is all over the news if you think I'm exaggerating. Gordon Monson, racist fans. This is in the Salt Lake Tribune. 
at BYU and elsewhere. How many more of these lovely human beings, Mormons, are you trying to convert in the Pacific Islands and all that? People who have no enmity, enmity with each other, people who are sweet and loving, how many more of those are you turning into little prigs, little self-righteous, worthless cowards? You need to call your missionaries home before you destroy your own church. You suck at sharing the truth. You do very well at showing what you really are. You're the matrix, just like I said last week. And this incident is just one of my many proofs I can point to now. So thank you for that. However, no, we don't think you're dodos. We think you are complete blithering, moral, immoral idiots. Now, you've graduated from dodohood to complete idiothood. And all the rest of your members with you. No one did anything right. None of you. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. There he is again. There's the headline. Read it and weep. Russell Nelson, you better hope to God your pen light's working tonight, because if I were you, I would beg Jesus to tell you what the hell to do next that's finally right instead of stupid. That would be my idea. I'm just saying. You know, I'm just trying to help you out, pal. Take a stand against racism. Yeah, you know where that begins, don't you, <coughs> Russell? <coughs> Not with your lousy minions, the state presidents and the picking peons, the bishops. No, it starts from the up and up. What are you waiting for, Jesus, to come? <laughs> Holy moly, man. Well, I am on a rant, I apologize. Only then you right back to cussing you out. Because it's such a base, real situation that every one of you let go on and on and on and on and on to the whole freaking game. You know what? That makes me want to go to some BYU games. I'd love to show you how it's done. I just might do that. We'll see. That might be worth doing. And I promise I'll be making a video of it. But I have to show you how to do it. Maybe that maybe that's how I can contribute. Is I need to start going to BYU games. Just an idea. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, Lisa Pamplin, the mother, the godmother of her goddaughter, that every time she served the ball during the match, the fan yelled a racist slur at her, the N-word. And at this stage in the game, are you such lousy teachers, 
parents and moralists that nobody in Mormonism has taught their youth how absolute racistly wrong it is to yell that word out to someone else, let alone say it in just small company, but at a public game. This is so unbelievable, I have to keep repeating it because I am blown away at the lack of fortitude of men who claim they get revelation from God Almighty, the maker of the universe. And you want to know something? We say, we think, based on your actions, you're full of bullshit. When you can start demonstrating through your actions that maybe God's talking to you, then don't you think that might help your productivity in conversions? Gosh, what a thought. I wonder if that's a revelation from me to you, because you obviously are clueless. Her mother was very upset. She tweeted, and her daughter is traumatized. She was physically threatened verbally accosted. And that story's going to go out. Her tweets have been retweeted hundreds of thousands of times. Way to go, Mormons. Dumbasses of the universe. That's what you guys are tonight. Well, it's not good enough to apologize after letting it go on and on and on for two hours, that's not good enough. So says Tom Homo himself, the athletic director of BYU. As children of God, as humans, forget your goddamn theology. Forget your crumbs and stupidity. As common, decent humans. We have a responsibility to be humane. Forget God telling us the responsibility. Use it from the authentic inside of your heart. Do Mormons even have a heart? Do Are you ever even taught that? Or are you guys so flippant adrift out into the sea of irrelevant stupidity that there's no hope for any of you anymore? Is it any wonder on YouTube and on the internet why you have become a total laughing stock for real? You guys need to take stock of what the hell is happening to you. Hello. Hey. Hey. I'm what? Oh, okay. So you got audio problems of some kind. Yeah, I'm, I'm yelling too loud. I'm so mad I can't stand it. Okay, are you watching right now? Okay, I'm talking normal. I've calmed down. I'm just basically having a conversation right now. Is it still going through rough? Really? The audio is not good, huh? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. 
All right. Well, maybe I'm too close to it and yelling. Well, it might be my camera too. My computer actually controls the sound. So I apologize to all of you watching. I've been screaming way too hard. I'm going to back off and slow down and get with it. Okay. Thank you though for telling me. Appreciate you. Stay up. Yeah. He said I was breaking up badly. That's too bad. I'm sorry. You haven't missed anything except me cussing out Mormonism. And the good thing is now they they won't be able to hear how I help them solve their problem either. But anyway, so here's the other thing that uh, Tom Holmo said that is really, really important. I ask that everyone at any of our games who represent BYU, that you will have the courage to take a stand and be able to care for each other. And the reason why he has to say that is because no one at BYU, student, faculty, professor, administrator, main principal, whatever you want to call him, has the courage. And nobody has the care in their heart for anyone else in the whole world because of your dumbass, stupid, hick theology that Mormonism is the only true religion, and all the rest of you are beneath us righteous Melchizedek priesthood holy people who can dust our feet on you and curse you good while we're saved in the celestial kingdom with our second anointings. In other words, we're mocking your religion because you mock the rest of the world. And you have demonstrated that you lack the moral fortitude to do what's right. Why? Because the matrix has hardened your own hearts. You are ignorant of what actual love and caring and humanity is. And you can look right to your leadership for that. They're the cause of it. That would be my approach. So anyway, okay. I'm glad uh, Doug called me on that. Is the sound any better? Let me know in the chat. I'm sorry the sound was breaking up so much. I got on a rant and rave and screamed and hollers. It's probably good. Uh, yeah, sorry has been deleted from the Mormon vocabulary. Yeah, more stupid bullshit. If you don't have to say you're sorry, then that means you don't have the moral fortitude, Dallin Oaks, to take personal responsibility from harming people. And instead of being such a prick about it, you could be a more loving example of your own savior if you really knew him. I have serious doubts. Doubt my doubts? Give me a reason to. I'm not going to. My doubts have been proven correct too often. So anyway. Uh, yeah. Sound okay here? Okay, thank you for letting me know. Pat has a thought. Okay, good. Anyway. So the bottom line is this. BYU nor its fans should, can, or allow anyone who demonstrate racist attitudes and actions to retain the privilege of occupying a seat at any game on campus. And I would add 
of occupying any seat in any of your chapels and temples too. That means none of you would show up because apparently only the athletic director in the whole of Mormonism at this point understands that you poor dodos have a serious racist problem in the church and none of you even know it. That's how ignorant you've become. The rest of us saw it very, very well indeed. That's amazing. Yeah. Holy Ghost ain't with you, idiots. Not even close. So that's that idea. <clears throat> okay, I'm glad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's the tweet that has been retweeted hundreds of thousands of times and hundreds of thousands of likes on Twitter. My goddaughter is the only black starter for, oh, and then I put up the, for the Duke volleyball team while playing yesterday, she was called a nigger every time she served the ball. She was threatened by the white male that told her to watch her back on the way back to the team bus. A police officer had to be put by the bench, by the team bench. That's what happened. That's absolutely unacceptable. 30 or 40 or 50 of you so-called tough BYU students should have absolutely gang-tromped him and drug him out by the hair of his head out of that stadium. But you didn't. You just sat there and listened. Apparently, you have no idea. You have no social clues about anything. That's astonishing. It's amazing. And then on the Brigham Young University apologizes. Well, it's too bad that Russell Nelson and the rest of the apostles, how about the board of directors, not just some athletic director, good man though he was, he at least made an effort. How about the board of directors? That's where this needs to go to the top because you're the problem. City, Provo, Utah. Here's the great coverage you got. The godmother of Duke volleyball player Rachel Richardson said in the tweet that Richardson, who's black, was called racial slurs during the game at BYU Smithfield House in Provo. She was threatened by a white male, told her to watch her back and go into the team bus. A police officer had to be put by their bench. BYU Athletics did not confirm the specifics, but announced that they had banned a fan from all athletic news and posted an apology on Twitter. That's just the start. It's not over yet. I don't know if you have that kind of a depth of soul or character to recognize at Mormon Church, but that's just barely, maybe, scratching the surface of the work you clowns need to seriously begin to get engaged in on a church-wide basis. If I were you, I wouldn't even wait till general conference. I would call a church-wide conference this weekend. And I know it's already Sunday night. 
That's how freaking far behind you idiots are. Anyway, when a student athlete or a fan comes to a BYU sporting event, we expect that they will be treated with love. <laughs> Hell, your own investigators aren't even treated that way. The whole world is hated by you. How on earth are you going to learn how to love if you're so full of freaking hate and judgment and guilt and fear? You see, you're seeing the symptoms of the real problem which is your own silly theology and pop cheap amateur psychology that you make everyone in your church feel guilty about. Yes, you've got billion dollar lawyers you're paying to keep your sorry butts out of legal problem. Maybe what you need is someone who's actually spiritual to guide your prophets and apostles into the right path because they're lost. They're worse than clueless. <laughs> wow. So it's time to get real. Your day of judgment's occurring, man. That's the trick. And we're all guilty of all kinds of weaknesses and fallings down and falling short. I'm not trying to stand up here on a pedestal saying I'm better than anyone else. I'm saying based on what we have now, you guys have to get to work. And I mean, for real, forget your glossy, clean looking image. You guys suck. You are vicious. You are depraved. And you a bunch of racist melon heads to the rest of the world right now. So forget about worrying about your stupid image. That's not what's going to help you. The cat's out of the bag. You guys are morally failing everywhere. That's the issue. So anyway, in the second piece of news, my gosh, I've ranted and raved about this for an hour because it's that important, because it was that heinous, it was that cowardice of an of a non-act that got my blood boiling. So let me get on to the second piece of news, which just shows you that the matrix wants full control of you. If you're going to be in the Mormon matrix, get ready to be controlled because that's their gospel. You want more evidence? Get a load of this headline we just received today. Salt Lake Tribune. Peggy Fletcher Stack. BYU requires new hires to waive their right to clergy confidentiality. At a time when the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is vociferously defending abusers' rights to clergy confidentiality for their confessions, it is quietly requiring Brigham Young University's new hires to give up theirs. Yeah, have you heard about the Arizona sex abuse scandal with Paul Adams, I believe his last name was? 
what a nightmare, sexually abusing his own children, videoing it and then posting it, and his bishops knew about it and never turned the asshole in? I, I mean, how freaking heinous does it have to get before the Mormon leadership pull their heads out and realize, you know what? We really are doing things really stupid here. Man, seven years this man abused his kids. And the bishops knew about it. Now, that's just a very generalized point of view. It's all over the news, man. It's all over Shade's message boards. I read it for hours this afternoon. I was going to use that as my prime subject because it got me so freaking mad. And then I had to back off because I got so flipping mad. And they were told by the lawyers, of course, the church lawyers. Notice, this doesn't come as a revelation from God's prophet. What the hell good is that old bag of wind anyway? One, he doesn't have a clue about the world and the state of the world and how to be a humane human. And two, he doesn't get any kind of a damn revelation that helps anybody within his church or around the rest of the world. So what the hell good is he except collecting your 10% and making you clean his pooper so that he doesn't have to? And you get to do that for free because it's a holy church calling. He's even got you brainwashed that cleaning shit and piss is sacred. It's idiotic how these guys are acting. And it's lawyers who are telling the church leaders. It is lawyers who are telling the state presidents and bishops, do not call the police. And that's all I'm going to say on this subject. I I can't. I can't go there. I got to stop right there. Otherwise, I'm going to rant and rave. I'm going to embarrass myself. I've already embarrassed myself tonight. But that is a heinous. That, that is, I, I got to stop. I'm going to go on to the next subject. Anyway. The wording has been added to the agreement. Candidates must sign for employment at BYU that authorizing the Ecclesiastical Clearance Office at church headquarters to contact their lay leaders to determine their worthiness for employment at BYU. Candidates must agree that their bishops can disclose matters that priesthood leaders would otherwise keep confidential to the extent the confidential matters relate to the standards of employment. In other words, now they're finally trying to quietly do something about this confidentiality thing with their new employees that they're hiring, but they've been hiding the heinous, immoral perpetrators destroying lives for years because all they give a damn about is their own bloody freaking image. They are so fake. It's really hard for me to contain my emotions on this. So I'm not going to go there. I'm serious. I got to quit talking about that. So I'm going to move on. Oh, and then this dodo. The more I hear from him, the stupider he sounds. It's just amazing. 
Limiting the confidential information to be shared only to the standards of employment doesn't clarify anything, according to Mike Austin, a BYU alumnus and executive vice president for academic affairs at the University of Evansville, a Methodist school in Indiana. It only narrows the scope. So if the church or the school is willing to provide a list of topics for ecclesiastical discussion, that would not affect the standards of employment. Once again, they're so flippin' vague that you can't tell what the hell they're saying. That's typical Mormonism. That's why it doesn't make any sense. In other words, such leaders, mostly bishops who are male volunteers, who serves as the Congregationalist's ministers, can reveal to higher-ups any concerns about candidates, whether they be intellectual, spiritual, emotional, moral, and much, much more. Are you getting the nature of this? Their new hires are going to have Big Brother 1984 watching them like a hawk. And anything they say that someone doesn't like, they can be turned into their superiors or by their superiors, to the mighty, mighty brethren. And their employment can be threatened. They can't even disagree with the church anymore. In other words, the science at BYU is going to have to start reflecting the Bishop Usher's chronology, 4004 BC for the first day of creation and the 6,000-year history of the earth, etc., uh, this is going to destroy any credibility BYU has left, which, in my opinion, is in the negative right now. I am so grateful I ended up not going there. I really wanted to earlier in my youth, but boy. I'm... So that means employees in need of pastoral counseling cannot safely discuss their marital breakdowns, their teenage behavior, or their faith crisis with their ecclesiastical leaders who also hold the keys to their jobs. Total control. Did I not tell you last week about the matrix? Here we go. The matrix delivers <laughs> right on time one week later so I can tell you more about it right? BYU spokesperson Kerry Jenkins confirmed the wording of the contract, and the church declined to comment on how that might affect pastoral counsel for instructors and staff. Of course they did, because remember, the matrix answers to nobody. They're in it for control. They control everything and everybody. For real. <laughs> That's no joke. They're doing that at BYU now. This is problematic on many levels, especially the way it affects the spiritual lives of BYU employees. So that's a very interesting. So you either start lying to your bishop like crazy, or you don't worry about going to BYU to work, which I would personally <laughs> advise you not to do. Ah, and that, oh, and now finally, and finally, and, and this one will be short. Okay, so I've dealt with, I've dealt with the, uh, the ridiculousness of the BYU racist total Mormon under, under the, 
under the surface racism within all of Mormonism uh, that was ardently demonstrated this week at an event at BYU. Okay, so I've talked about that. Then we've discussed about how the the uh, board of directors, the apostles of the Holy Lord Jesus Christ himself, are now clamping down on all of their employees at BYU so that they can totally control everything they teach, right? So I've looked at the leadership, and I've looked at the the educational part of it. Now let's look at their apologetic approach to how these clowns think, and therefore they think they're in the right And I have yet to see any bona fide valid scholar even agree with what I'm about to read to you now. Let alone any of the rest of us who really can't believe how absolute clownish Mormon apologetics has gotten. Mormon scholarship at BYU is a joke because it takes the scholarship into the apologetic arena. If it wouldn't do that, it could possibly gain some good traction. As it is now, there is no critical thinking evaluation that can agree with these assumptions I'm about to read to you. Let's go. And it's a good man, Stephen D. Ricks. I'm not dissing on the man. I'm dissing on his utterly silly argument. There's a huge difference here. We're talking ideas, not people. We're not doing ad hominem here. It is necessary that the Book of Mormon has ancient names, whether from the ancient Near East or from ancient Mesoamerica, if the claim that the book is of ancient origins is to ring true. He's talking, of course, about the Book of Mormon. Our work has shown that the names and the foreign words in the Book of Mormon are ancient in origin, whether from ancient Hebrew or some other Semitic language, ancient Egyptian, ancient Mesopotamian, Akkadian, or Sumerian, or ancient Greek. I believe we have done our homework showing that the names are ancient in origin. The burden is now upon those who deny the ancient origins of the Book of Mormon to show that its names are not of ancient origin. The burden is now upon those who deny the ancient origins. That'd be me of the Book of Mormon, to show that its names are not of ancient origin. Stephen D. Ricks is presenting this as a fully mature and very intelligent scholar. His argument is utter tripe, which raises the level of ridiculousness 
that a man this intelligent would present such a sophomoric, illogical argument. And he just did this just a couple of months ago, August 10th, not even a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. It's mind-boggling. It really is. What is my first reaction? Now, I'll tell you my reaction, and then I, I read through several uh, different uh, people and their points of view and their analysis of this, the logic, the coherence, the internal and external coherence, etc., the academic issues involved, etc. My very first reaction was, Stephen, 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 you obviously are brainwashed. Now, you really are more intelligent than I am. I grant that hands down. <laughs> you definitely have it on me in acquisition of ancient languages and the ability to translate those wonderful languages and to do really good scholarship. You obviously have been an editor of some very, very fine volumes of scholarly materials. You've obviously written vastly more than I can at this point because I'm in my 60s and I just don't have the time or energy to even try to catch up to what you were producing through your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. So, I mean, you are so vastly superior to me, and yet your argument is just stupid. It doesn't phase me at all. Why? Because I don't have to disprove anything. <laughs> I don't give a damn about your Book of Mormon. Stephen D. Rex, when are you going to wake up and see the actual issue here? You are approaching this from the Mormon brainwashing that you've been given. And apparently you can't even see it. You have no idea how ridiculous your comment is. Do you really think I'm going to fall for that silly approach? Let me tell you what I think would impress me. And this is strictly from a, I, I mean, I'm a layman, you know. Yeah, I've got a few lexicons and dictionaries of ancient language. And, uh, and yeah, I've read a few of the popularizer materials and a little bit of scholarly materials on and on and on and on. So really, I am truly a nobody, for real. Yeah, I, I am not going to be in the least surprised if you completely ignore me. And that's all good. No hard feelings whatsoever. But I will share with you what I do believe is going to be the absolute vast majority of the world's response to your utterly childish challenge. I have not seen any non-Mormon scholars, Cyrus Gordon didn't. William F. Albright found authentic ancient Egyptian names, Paanki and Pahoran, in the Book of Mormon. So what? 
Did he believe it was true scripture? Did he accept Joseph Smith's story and join Mormonism? <laughs> of course not. Have you published all your Book of Mormon on a Mastacon project through Yale or Harvard or somewhere that actually has peer review process? No, of course not. You've invented your own Mormon scholarly venue to publish your stuff in because no one else is going to publish it. Why is that? When scholarship, now I mean scholarship of the world from Israel, let's say from Germany, from France, from North America, from Mexico, South Africa, anywhere in Europe, when the world scholarship can get together and say, you know what? These names really are authentic and, and they actually are ancient. And there's no way Joseph Smith could have known any of this. Uh, so maybe we better do the right thing and jump into this and, and help these guys out. And let's bust this thing wide open and let's go convert the world with this true book of scripture until they start joining your faith and demonstrating that they're seriously converted through the Holy Ghost, as you love to put it, which I don't think you understand how it operates at all. And I've expressed that in other videos. Why? But until all that happens and the actual world can agree, yes, this, these names, man, not only are they real and authentic, but bam, these show this is a really actual ancient history book. And, and it's scripture. These people, the Nephites, the Lamanites, the Jaredites, the Mulekites, they really did exist. The names work. The Mimation and the Nanation that that, Old Mormon scholar Hugh Nibley demonstrated actually works and it's authentic. The hypocoristicon, the Hebrew elements and chiasmus, all of this absolutely demonstrates the Mormons got it. The Mormons got it. We need that. Until that happens, I don't give a damn what you claim. It doesn't phase me. I'm not able because I don't have the scholarly tools. I'm not able to evaluate it as good as a William F. Albright who did evaluate it, but did not accept it. Now, why would that be? Oh, well, he's biased, he's prejudiced. Well, that wears out after you get to 50, 70, 100,000 different scholars of all kinds of different religious persuasion and atheistic persuasion and agnostic persuasion of different nationalities. Until you have that, I don't need to do diddly, dude. <laughs> That's what you fail to grasp. Your challenge is hokey, unfortunately. Now, that's my reaction. Now, let me read a couple of other items, and then we'll, we'll get on with someone else's reaction. Uh, let's see. 
Okay, I'm on page two. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, and, and that's what I just said. That's my response. Okay, and and now a very good friend of mine who is also a college professor, Kishkuman, uh, and who is very knowledgeable in ancient Roman uh, law and history, and he knows several languages too, ancient languages. Here is his response. He said, I like Stephen D. Ricks very much. He and I read Latin together, nearly the entire of Virgil's Aeneid, and he attended my wedding at the Timpanogos Temple. He's actually quite a humble and unassuming fellow, and he is. I've met him. He, he's a nice guy. This had nothing to do with him on a personal basis. As a person, as a human being, he's wonderful. His argument, junk. And he is highly intelligent. Boy, he's, he's got me beat. I, I'll just say that flat out. It's not about intelligence, though, is it? It's about accurate knowledge. See, intelligence is irrelevant to everything in this. And, and that's amazing when you really stop and think about it. That's breathtaking. It's not about who's more intelligent. I simply do not agree with the premise. A book, pay attention. A book is not ancient because the names in it are ancient. It's astonishing that the BYU scholars don't grasp that point, isn't it? Wow, when you sit back and recognize that, you go, well, yeah, that's as obvious as one and one is two. It really is. But let him elaborate here. I cannot be dated by my name, and neither can my children. My kids have ancient Hebrew names. Are we to assume that they are ancient Hebrews? Of course not. This is all wrong. An ancient book is one which the preponderance of the evidence shows was actually written in antiquity. That's true. Unfortunately, the Book of Mormon is not an ancient book in that sense of the term ancient book. Here is what it would take for me to say that the Book of Mormon is an ancient book in that sense. Now, this is a full-fledged college professor after dozens of years. And, and I will say it flat out, Kish Kuman is vastly more intelligent than I am, too. And yet, here's his criteria. Notice how close it is, in some respects, to what I just elaborated about my first impression. Truly. Number one, qualified scholars have access to and thoroughly examine the gold plates. Yep. Number two, in truly peer-reviewed publications, they make a compelling case built on a preponderance of evidence that the gold plates are an ancient text, and the translation of which largely agrees with Joseph Smith's translation. Okay. Number three, other scholars weigh in on their work and find it unimpeachable. Yes, indeed. 
Names do not prove the Book of Mormon is an ancient text. And those who do not believe the Book of Mormon to be ancient, based on the claims of the believers, do not have an obligation to disprove the antiquity of an English manuscript written by a farm boy in 19th century New York. I mean, how, for how many years has Dan Vogel been telling us that? I think he's here in the audience. Yeah, Dan, yeah. Yeah. Dan Vogel's been saying this same thing for decades, right? Rather, those who believe they have a long, long way to go before they're able to make a case that others are obliged to take seriously. Names don't cut it. Okay, now that's another college professor, right? It's not some dunderhead like me, a nobody, a virtual un unaccredited uh, wannabe. No, this guy's the real McCoy. Dan Vogel, he's with us. He's gotten his degrees. He's the real McCoy. Paul uh, Osborne, he's here with us. He's the real McCoy. They don't find this convincing. So, and then another comment. Oh, yeah, an excellent response. Someone really liked that response of uh, Kish Kuman's, and, and, and absolutely so. And then another person said, why would someone who denies the ancient origins of the Book of Mormon feel any need to prove the names Joseph Smith used are not of ancient origin? Bingo. Right there, man. Right? I, I, I sincerely don't. I'm not trying to do it out of spite or anger or religious prejudice or bias. I seriously just don't, I can't find a reason why I would care, <laughs> let alone that it's my obligation. No, I think what I'll do is I'll sleep pretty good tonight. I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. And yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and have a good breakfast, greet the Sunday, the sunrise, and I'm going to go to work whistling Dixie, right? Yeah, that's what my life's going to be like, of course. I'm not going to all of a sudden start fretting and worrying about trying to prove the Book of Mormon false and the name's non-authentic and non-ancient. I don't care. <laughs> that's the thing, I guess. The Mormon scholars have to start grasping, you know. Well, we've done mountains of work. Well, I have mountains of I don't give a shit, <laughs> you know. So what? <laughs> So anyway, sorry, boy. Have they shown that each and every name used in the Book of Mormon is of an ancient origin? It only takes one modernly created name to blow the lid off of the name game, somehow corroborating the ancient authenticity of the Book of Mormon text, right? Yeah, there we go. So here is another comment. And this guy's a doctor. He's a very, very, very intelligent man. Dr. Moore, ancient names does not mean ancient book. Like two-thirds of the name are found in the Bible or derivatives of names found in biblical commentaries. If ancient, then ancient names, yes, does not follow that if B, then A. Mere amateurs. See, this is the impression that 
I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be charitable here. I promise. This is the impression that brainwashed Mormon scholarship is giving to the world of scholarship, e- even Mormons, right? It's, it's just a funny, that's why I quit being an apology. You cannot defend the indefensible, man. I'm just saying. Oh, that was for okay. Now let me let me go on to something else too. Uh, there was a a couple more comments here. I'm uh, they're interspersed. Okay, and this is Marcus again. Uh, if I know who Marcus is, another college professor is is on our message boards. And uh, this is another excerpt that didn't really seem to support the author's premise. Now, now here is Stephen D. Ricks showing a little bit of evidence for the divine authenticity of the antiquity of the Book of Mormon because of its ancient names and concepts. I have dreamed a dream. So in this translation, what he's trying to demonstrate is that the basis of the Hebrew vorlage, of, of the Book of Mormon vorlage, is Hebrew. And one example is 1 Nephi 8, 2. I have dreamed a dream is an example of the paranomosia, very popular in the Semitic, but avoided in English and other European languages. So 1 Nephi 8, 2 continues with, or in other words, I have seen a vision. So, in other words, the idea here, according to Marcus, is Smith imitated something that may have sounded obscure and then followed up, or in other words, with what the author considered a more modern explanation. Why would an author of an ancient document need to include a modern explanation in that ancient document? Very interesting. <laughs> Whoa, Marcus is sharp. And let me keep going here. Yeah, and that's a long, that's a long response. I'm gonna skip that for now. Um, I I've got just a couple. This whole thread is pretty cockeyed interesting. There's just a couple other points that I'm trying to get to. I have to see it's 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 like this, and it, there's many different commenters, and I have to zip through this to get to uh, the points that I want to share real quick. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's coming up right about... Okay, just hold on, hold on. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay, well, here we go. This is good. Six of seven, five of seven. Okay, this is dastardly stem, another real good thinker. The other issue I'm finding after looking into the link a minute or two is this. 
Ricks said, our work has shown that the names and the foreign words in the Book of Mormon are ancient in origin, whether from ancient Hebrew or from some other Semitic language, ancient Egyptian, ancient Mesopotamian, Akkadian or Sumerian, or ancient Greek. See, they think that they seem to imply that if they can rattle off a bunch of names of ancient languages, then that means the Book of Mormon's authentic. I, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> Maybe it impresses them. I don't know. So here's what dastardly stem says. So he offers a confident quote. Our work has shown that the names are ancient in origin, unquote. And then he continues with that level of confidence in the next sentence that says about 75 to 80% of the names and foreign words in the book of Mormon are Hebrew in origin. So somehow he knows Words and names are Hebrew in origin, not can be, but that they are. And when examples are given, for instance, Rick's, again, going back to Rick's, he says, the name Mosiah can be based on the biblical Hebrew word Moshiach, which means deliverer, savior, and may have the meaning the Lord is a deliverer, a savior, or he, in other words, the Lord is a deliverer or a savior. He says it may be based. He didn't say it is. And so Dastardly Stem brings up a quite interesting point on this angle. And I think it's well worth pursuing. So because they can search for words and names that appear similar, we are to simply conclude that they certainly are of ancient origin? Really? Names are derived from other names or other words over time. So Mosiah would have appeared among the people of Nephi hundreds of years after they separated themselves from Jerusalem and its environs, hundreds of years after they ran from Hebrew-speaking people. No, the connection isn't made. It remains a possibility that Mosiah comes from this Hebrew word. I would question whether they can show any names or words in the Book of Mormon that connect directly with the ancient words or names. Notice this. This is a really important, interesting point he's making here. Showing any of the names derived from ancient words is not as easy as showing they could possibly link. Showing any given name in the Book of Mormon looks like an ancient word can be interesting, but it does not mean any of the names or words are derived from those ancient names or words. It's possible, but possible doesn't become probable just because. Oh, that's a very powerful point. Yeah. Very good. That bridge still has to be constructed. In other words, the LDS apologetics is blank on the Book of Mormon authentic ancient names. And they don't even know it. They have not built that bridge. So I, I think that's very fascinating. Okay, and one more. I, I, I've got another one. Um, Rick Grunder showed up and he has some really good work 
on this. Rick Grinder is a name to look up if you can. Uh, I'm not going to take the time right now. Um, Dr. Exile has some good points. Uh, four, three, four. Hold on. I think this is the one. <laughs> and then I said this too. Uh, hold on. Let me read Dr. Exile because I was responding to Dr. Exile. Okay. So, well, let's let me start with Drum Dude. He's actually agreeing with one of the apologists named MG, uh, MG2O, who came on and, of course, defended the Book of Mormon. Drum Dude says, MG is correct that we should consider the preponderance of the evidence. How would the Book of Mormon fare at a trial with 12 impartial jurors? not 12 apostles, but impartial jurors. There's a reason that Daniel C. Peterson's production called The Interpreter is an island alone with no secular input or validation on its articles. It's because the impartial academic community would never accept their homework as being anything other than a vast series of Fs. And then Dr. Exiled says, I wonder how many books contain words or names that have ancient origins. Interesting approach, isn't it? All. Some. How big of a Venn diagram can we draw? Language has been developing for quite some time, and so the diagrams has to be huge. What does this mean for the theory when all or most books have names with ancient origins? Very excellent point. This is why the Mormon apologetics need valid peer review. Not that one of the Mormon scholars writes a cool-looking-sounding article that confirms Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and the Book of Abraham, and then he passes them off to his buddy across the hall in the next, in the next office, who also is a professor of Book of Mormon antiquity, and who reads a paper and says, Gosh, I never thought of it that way. That was cool. Let's get this published. They call that peer review. That's why they only think in such a narrow, determined alley, or should I say rut, and they can't seem to broaden their thinking because they're not being peer-reviewed. They're slapping each other on the back, congratulating each other for confirming their own already believed-in testimonies. <laughs> Here's what Dr. Okay, now that was Dr. Exiled, and then I said, this was my comment, I said, well, it's almost as if apologists cannot grasp that an author of fiction can also include ancient language names without meaning the book has to be of ancient origin. And then I did the rolling eyes. Duh. Now, three, four, five, three, four, five. I've got one more point that was just, um, yeah, it has to end up as inspired fiction if it's going to be saved. 
Oh, and then, then someone says, well, my father is starting to question things in his old age and talks a lot to my state president brother. In turn, my brother rebuffs whatever my father says by saying that he doesn't care. See, his father is starting to do critical thinking, but his other brother, who is the state president, says, so what? None of that means anything to me because history doesn't matter, basically. Uh, the Book of Mormon spoke to him spiritually, and that's enough. Now, I got in there and I chimed. He actually has quite a strong point here. L let's, let's just at least look at it. History does not matter too much of any of it. When we begin from that point, the Book of Mormon becomes much more of a symbology which can have layers of meaning for personal growth. And that, that could very well lead to individual progress, which is why the church in its brainwashing emphasizes the lesser important from the greater, because individuality is where the group begins to lose control, brain control. So it appears to me that they're going to insist on literal history. Might be an interesting problematic for them to work through, huh? I think they're starting to, truly. And so, and so it goes. Um, th this has been a, this has been a a, a very interesting discussion. Uh, hold on, I, I did one more that I found that, um, oh, yeah, 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 here it is. Here, it, I, I knew there was something else I wanted to include, and then I'll close out. It looks like I've been going an hour and a half, and I bored you all stiff, and I appreciate it. I apologize for my earlier rant that it wasn't well recorded, and, and it was breaking up, and you probably didn't totally understand me, but it was a rant, uh, and I'm sticking with it. So anyway, it might, it might be a good video to watch. I hope it is, so. I, sometimes I get emotional about this stuff. <clears throat> so let's understand this crystal clearly on, on the basis of how, uh, how a forgery in historical documents is discovered. Interestingly enough, I believe it was Throckmorton who was one of the detectives in the uh, Mark Hoffman case with his forgeries. And he actually indicated to the, it was, uh, it was several other uh, officers, people investigating the Hoffman forgeries, et cetera. And he said, the methodology here is absolutely fundamental. It is crystal clear. It only takes one anachronism to destroy an authentic historical claim. Only one. It doesn't take, it doesn't, there isn't a threshold of numbers that anachronisms have to approach and get to before scholarship says, oh, now at last, we've acquired 163 anachronisms. Now we can state categorically, this is a forgery. No, it only takes one anachronism to refute a historic document. 
here's the post I wanted to share with you with that background information. Nephi knows about people going to heaven and hell when they die. Satan, a suffering and divine Messiah, salvation by faith. All things that are anachronistic to the 6th century B.C. Case closed. Wow. Really? Case closed. Kish Kuman, the college professor, the expert in Roman history and early Christianity. His response? Indeed. <laughs> this is how the world is seeing the Mormon apologetic. It, it just doesn't work. Again, not to be the dead horse, but it's why I quit being an apologist. You can't defend the indefensible, man. Can't be done. Let's see. Oh, anyway, that's, that's enough for now. Uh, I, I've held you up long enough. Um, it's been a very, very fun Sunday for me. It's been a fun Sunday morning this morning. It's been a fun Sunday evening tonight. Even though I did get wrapped up emotionally, uh, I can't help but I'm passionate about some things. And uh, gosh damn it, we have, to, we have to shift the mentality of our humanity so that we can begin to be more humane with each other. It is so much more important and it is so much more useful and excellent and virtuous to be humane to one another than to be correct doctrinally or to be accurate historically. Those just pale in insignificance compared to what's really important, especially right now in our culture and our age, man. I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus. It's all good. It, it's no problem. I don't care if you don't even think he existed. That's good. It's all, Don't sweat it. Not a big deal. It's all good. I don't care if you love him with all your heart, might, mind, and strength, etc. Jesus got it right. And I'm willing to give credit where credit's due. I don't care what our personal stance is. The conceptualization that he taught that is so important and it's so, man, <laughs> this is so necessary right now in our world. I'm, I promise I'm just not even kidding. I'm watching the international news fairly extensively, and it's, it's getting very spooky, and I'm not joking. We need a greater, compassionate, amicable humanity together. We need to begin to bring back the good neighbor in us, right? And emulate that. We need to care. And then we need to begin to take action. 
showing that. It it is better to have friends than enemies. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. <laughs> and I'm sticking with it, by God. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. I'm sticking with it. So anyway, okay. Uh thank you for thank you for coming out tonight. It's it's been awfully good to see so many of you. Uh I guess word got out that backyard professor was ranting raving like a bat out of hell, and I was, uh, because of the heinous stupidity that I am noting going on. And unfortunately, it's becoming too common at BYU. Uh, I mean, it's not just the racist approach. It's the LBGTQ community that just constantly is harangued and harassed. And their new stupid bullshit. Don't get me started on this again, man. Their bullshit policies against certain people's beliefs or lives. I'm going to stop. I got to quit. I'm not kidding. Uh, I'm done raving. Uh, I'm very appreciative of you. Maybe I'll pick it up another time, but... uh, we need to, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, don't you think it would be a, a much, um, a much what more loving approach if we actually cared about someone who was different than we are? I mean, is that such a bad thing? Is that so difficult to do? Um, I mean, man, We've got to pull together. Someone's got to stand up and say, you know, um, we can do this. And I'm trying. And we're all going to make mistakes and fall short. Yeah, I get that. We're not asking for perfection. We're asking for trying. So anyway, don't forget the backyardprofessor.org is now functioning podcasts. And I know some of my earlier podcasts, I just sound so stupid and and it's kind of rough and it's hard to hear. And uh, please forgive me. I was just starting out and beginning and I didn't have all the ropes down. You know, I think it's number 011 that I actually was showing video of a forest and all, and it didn't come across very good. And also just, just, keep slogging through them. I'm getting better. I'm improving. My later podcasts are getting much, much better. The other thing I'm going to ask you to remember is on several of the podcasts later on, and I will put this in the description. um, I was waiting for two or three minutes. I was either playing introductory music or I was waiting for two and three minutes. So in the podcast, it's going to be quiet. It's going to be silent, but it's really there. I'm just letting people gather here for the video session. And so I'm quiet. And so that's why if you turn on the podcast, especially the ones on the, the Freemasonry and the Book of Abraham and stuff like that, Sometimes it's quiet for a couple of minutes up front. Don't despair. Don't think I didn't do it. You know, don't click off. Give me a chance. So, and, and when I start making independent podcasts from my videos, I can solve all of that problem, of course. So I, I'm just trying the best I can to make sure that my audience gets the most bang for your buck and that you realize that my whole this whole situation calls for us to magnify ourselves here and here, the heart mind. And I know it takes a boatload of work, man. I I get it. Yeah. 
But if I can do this, you can do this. And let's just do it all together because it does every avalanche ever existed and recorded in history began with one snowflake. Right? All right, you guys, I got to go. You have a good evening. Thank you. I appreciate all of you. You are wonderful people. You're the best audience. I will see you next Sunday morning, Sunday school, 10 a.m. And then next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. In the meantime, remember, be good, do well, have fun, make lots of friends, be happy, and begin expanding at least, or at least thinking about it. It's okay to think about it and plan, but expand the heart-mind. May the force be with you. Nanu, nanu. Yeah, baby. <laughs>